Okay, so we know it's wrong to sneak a peek at a coworker's emails or Facebook account, right? But what about your spouses, your kids, discussing the ethics of spying on the people closest to you next on The Matt Townsend Show? Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Facebook stock continued to tumble today, and NASDAQ is admitting that mistakes were made with the company's public debut. Some individual investors as well as brokerage houses are still trying to figure out if the Facebook shares they bought went through and for how much following Friday's glitch in trading. NASDAQ CEO Bob Greifeld acknowledged the snafu during the company's annual meeting Tuesday. Clearly, we had mistakes within the Facebook listing. We still want to highlight the fact it was the largest IPO ever. The technology problem affected trading in millions of shares of Facebook, which ended its first day up 23 cents. Julie Walker, New York. The Army is being much more selective with its recruiting and deciding which veterans stay on active duty. At the height of the wars, the Army lowered its recruiting standards, allowing in more recruits with moral, medical, or criminal waivers. But amid the move to slash its active duty size, the Army last year took in no recruits convicted of misconduct or with drug and alcohol issues. It's also offering far less bonus money to attract recruits or entice soldiers to stay. They now face even tougher standards to remain on active duty, and some fully qualified soldiers will not be allowed to stay on. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. Former Secretary of State Colin Powell says he is not ready to endorse President Obama in the coming election. Powell caused a stir when he backed Obama four years ago, but he's not quite ready to do it again. I ought to listen to what the president says and what the president's been doing. And tells NBC's Today Show he owes it to the GOP to do the same for its candidate. I've known Mitt Romney for many years. Good man. When pressed why he's holding back on endorsing Obama again, the retired general said he always keeps his powder dry. The beautiful part of being a private citizen is you can decide when you want to throw your weight, if you want to throw your weight. Sagar Magani, Washington. A U.S. Airways flight headed from Paris to Charlotte, North Carolina, was forced to land in Maine after a French passenger began to act strangely. There were 179 passengers on Flight 787 when U.S. Air spokesman Andrew Christie says it was diverted to Maine. TSA is aware of reports of a passenger who exhibited suspicious behavior during the flight. He described it as a security issue, which meant NORAD got involved. We scrambled two F-15 fighters. Which escorted the jet to Bangor, where state, local, and federal officers were waiting. Officials aren't saying much, but one does say a passenger on board announced she had a surgically implanted device. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Mr. Townsend, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to discover what your wife and kids are doing on the internet at this very minute. You are authorized to use any means necessary. Should you be captured, the president will disavow any knowledge of your existence. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your spy of the day, and I have accepted my challenge to figure out what on earth everybody in my family are doing. What are they doing, these crazy people on the Internet? What are they looking at? 
Who are they talking to? I've got to find some sense of control, and the best way to do it is, of course, spying. That is the topic on the show today, folks, spying. Apparently, it's been taking charge in a lot of lives. It's been going uh, on in schools. Principals are spying. Husbands are spying on their spouses that they're leaving. The FBI does it. The CIA, they're doing it. The National Security Agency, they're doing it. So why aren't you? That's what we're talking about on on today's show. Spying on your spouse and your kids. Is it the best way to get the information you need? Are there other ways to do it? And we're going to go straight to a story that uh, hit the news, I don't know, about a year ago or less. Uh, A guy named Leon Walker, 33, Claims uh, was I guess claims that he charged that his he used sorry his wife Clara's passwords to get in to her Gmail account. So the police are after him because he has apparently taken her passwords, hacked is the word that the police are using into her accounts, and now this man faces a maximum five years in prison for something that he's saying he didn't even do. But if he did, he didn't do it that way. He didn't hack. He had her passwords is what he told um, the uh, the police. These were passwords that he actually helped her set up her website and her email accounts so he would know these. Well, uh, that's fine and dandy, I guess, until you start divorcing each other. And um, apparently he was trying to gather some information that he could bring into the divorce proceedings to kind of sway, I guess, the judge. So now the wife is upset. He may – he's being charged, may go to go to trial – and um, is now seen as a hacker. Now, as a relationship coach, somebody that sits down, sits down with couples every single day, I can't tell you how many times I hear this. Over and over, I'm finding out couples, by the way, almost all on the ropes, ready to just end their relationship and their marriage. They're now out there spying on each other. And uh, today we're going to be asking, is that what we should be doing? Is this the healthy way to live our lives is technology making us a little bit more neurotic? Now that we have the ability to gather more data on our spouses, are we using it appropriately? We're even going to get into the ethical side of this. We're going to be bringing on a professor um, of ethics and psychology who can help us with this and kind of just help us unwind it and figure out what's the best way to handle it. But first, we're going to go and talk and do one of our sweet little we call featurettes where we're going to learn a little bit more about spying and some of the ways today that people are going about doing it. Do you ever feel like someone's watching you? That might be a question you ask yourself monthly, weekly, or daily. And in this technology-filled world, some of us find it safe to assume that people are watching. But it might not be someone like this guy. Bond. James Bond. It seems that today, plenty of people are keeping tabs on their spouses, children, friends, and other family members, be it through sneaking around, hiring a private eye, we have a private eye, huh? Or simply using Facebook. In fact, some parents have even admitted to using Facebook to spy on their kids. Or, as Julianne Moore puts it, I also heard that you kind of spy on your kids on Facebook. Is that lurk. true? You lurk. lurk. On Facebook. You don't spy. You don't okay. spy. You lurk. Everybody knows that. But what are the consequences of lurking? Is it okay to monitor someone's Facebook activity or check their text messages? It doesn't hurt anybody, right? One high school principal applied this logic when she created a Facebook profile to monitor her students, leading them to feel, well, like it was a violation of their privacy. And I feel like it's a violation of our privacy uh, that she was trying to 
like falsely uh, friend us as someone else. I mean, it's just, it, made, it makes me uncomfortable. Which makes us wonder where to draw the line and if we should all assume that someone is watching. That's Corinne Collins uh, reporting on that. You know what? People are watching you. How about these crazy statistics? 32% of men and 41% of women have checked the emails or call history of their spouse. Okay? Do you fit into those statistics as well? Have you been checking on your spouse, your kids? And uh, is that really what we're supposed to be doing? As we get into this, there's... um, there's, I think, a lot of information out there about how to actually spy on your family. There's YouTube. You can go check out YouTube and learn all of these different ways to find information. There's a lot of ways in our lives. If you just think about how we've evolved in this idea of spying, I mean, as a kid, we didn't have all this technology. What we could do is I could answer the phone. Uh, you know, with the nice little rotary dial phone hanging in the hallway in the center of our house, and I could yell to my sisters to answer and pick up the other line. And when they pick up the downstairs line, I could just keep listening. And if my sisters weren't smart enough, I could listen and listen to their boring teenager conversations. And I wouldn't even know what I was hearing that mattered. But usually they'd yell upstairs, hang up the phone. Remember those days? We used to um, – parents, remember the big deal was a parent reading her daughter's journal, the mom reading the daughter's journal. That's how we got this information. So we used to read journals, but now we can go check out their blogs or their texts. People – you remember, your mom used to go through your sock drawer to see what you were up to. Now people are searching through your YouTube history and your favorites, their history online or, yeah, your web browser history. People used to look underneath the mattress of their young sons to find out what was going on. What have you been looking at? Now they just go to your browser history. Isn't this crazy? We used to be able to have to, we'd have to get in our car and actually follow somebody. Like all of the really old, great uh, sleuth videos or, or movies that we used to watch. And now we just have to stick a GPS tracking device on their um, car or even better yet, just turn on the GPS function on their phone. And now we don't even have to get out of bed. I can just track you from my bed on my laptop, and I know right where you are. We used to intercept their mail as a kid. When I didn't want my mom to see my grades, I would always make sure I got home before she did and just make sure I had the mail. But nowadays I have people, clients, uh, people I know that are actually adding software to their spouse's um, uh, computers so that they can track their keystrokes. And see where they've been. Now, I'm not sure if all of these are even Ill, are legal or illegal. The reality is, though, they're probably unethical to some degree. And so we're going to be talking about that when we come back. Dr. Joe Austinson, BYU professor of psychology, is going to be joining us. And he's going to give us an ethical take on what we should really be doing, where we're maybe crossing the line, and maybe more importantly, where we may be striking um, a negative chord or vibe on the relationship. Remember, on this show, we're here to not just give you ideas of how to spy. We want to help you take your relationship to the next level so we don't need to spy. I am a big believer that there needs to be transparency. We need to be honest in what we're saying. We need to be able to see what's going on with each other. And if we're going to have all this technology, one of the greatest tools I think out there is some transparency. I'm not sure it should always be uh, hidden. It might be better that we just put the transparency out there, and we'll be talking about that as we go through the show. So be grabbing the people you love, those people that you know need to hear this message. Get them near the phone. Get them near your 
your car radio because we're going to be going in-depth on this one. To spy or not to spy, that is the question. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As the demand for worldwide energy increases, so does the need for technologies to fulfill those energy needs. One company is going deep below the ocean blue to find a solution. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Energy demand across the globe is huge, and resources like oil and natural gas can have harmful effects on our planet. That's why many scientists are looking at ways to harness greener energy sources as we look toward the future. A Swedish company, Monesto, is diving into the challenge by developing the deep green underwater kite. The prototype kite consists of a wing with a turbine and a generator attached to the seabed by a tether. The ocean current flows past the turbine, spinning the generator to create electricity. As the kite glides with the tide, the electricity is then transmitted onshore through a power cable inside the tether. Seawater, being 800 times denser than air, can potentially generate much more energy than wind turbines. And the motion of the kite moving through the sea intensifies the power of the ocean current, so the device can work effectively even in slower water. The kites promise low weight and low cost, adding to their energy efficiency. That makes the idea a serious contender for sustainable, renewable energy. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. All the time I was building the big banana cup, people would they would say, oh, right, yeah, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. I, I would hear that constantly. So I decided I am going to find those guys and throw down the gauntlet and challenge the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to a drag race. So we drove in convoy all across Pennsylvania. The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Who's watching? This is the song, man. You ever feel like somebody's watching you? I don't know, like your mom. What if your mom, that 85-year-old woman, just kept watching you? She just kept tracking you down. Every time you came over, she'd grab your phone and just start shuffling through your, your, your call history. We're talking about spying on your family, your loved ones. It seems to be something that's... Uh, that's taken off as a way, I guess, to, to create trust in relationships. And I think, sadly, it just it's probably not doing the job. Um, it's, it's doing the job of something that, you know, it might be healthier, like relating, like having a, having a relationship instead of having to sneak in and, and figure it out. We're going to give you some ideas on that. But before we do, we want to go to our famous Thomas Brinton who's out walking on the street. He's basically looking into what is the line between spying on your kids versus spying on your spouse. Should you be allowed to spy on your kids? Pretty much everyone I talk to agreed that it's okay in most instances. After all, it's your job to teach them and help them make right choices. And of course, several mentioned that as your kids grow, you should start to give them more and more privacy. Then I brought up the next question. Is it okay then to spy on your spouse? 
Everyone had two answers for this one. The principled answer, you should just trust each other enough to be completely honest. And then there's the practical answer, but just in case, it doesn't hurt to look through their cell phone or their email inbox every now and then, if an opportunity presents itself. It seems that most people keep their spying to a minimum, and are mostly trusting of their spouse. However, for some people, it can become an obsession. This must be a pretty large group too, in order to keep companies like eBlaster and Spouse Spy in business. These are both software programs that can track everything your spouse does on their computer, cell phone, GPS. You name the device, it can watch it like a digital hawk. The blog on Spouse Spy's website is filled with twisted advice, like the best way to know the truth whether or not your partner is cheating on you is to wage a multi-pronged attack on them with e-phone tracker. You can receive emails that detail calls made, GPS locations, copies of every text, every photo slash video captured, contact lists, emails, and more. And the list goes on for pages and pages. People really need to be careful too, because in most states, it's illegal to spy on your spouse by intercepting digital communications. Though you are part of the same family, it can be very tempting to become big brother. Curiosity is a natural trait of human beings, but when curiosity becomes jealousy, becomes obsession, it can spell disaster for couples. Welcome back, everybody. That's Tom Brinton. Walking and tucking with Tom, and uh, interesting, interesting stuff. See, to me, this is this is the key to why this is such a difficult topic because relationships are so important, right? You can't afford them to die, and uh, we all have suspicions and fears, and we don't want to we don't want to just let our relationship you know fall apart because we weren't paying attention. And yet, if we're starting to spy, it's already probably falling apart, and so. Let's try to uncover this, figure out what maybe are some ideas for how to do this better. Um, we're going to visit with a professor of psychology, Dr. Joe Austinson, and Joe's been on the show before. Uh, he's done a lot of work in ethics, taught graduate-level ethics program, and um, he just – he likes to be called the myth, the legend. And he, uh, he is an expert. No, he's not. He's not an expert <laughs> in spying, but – it, this is a big dis- this is a big discussion. He and I were talking about it on the break. And tell, give me your view on this because it's kind of the minute we're using the word spy, that's a big word. Sure. We're already kind of we've already kind of violated the trust. We've breached something, haven't we? Yeah. Well, I guess I mean I like I was saying, I think that uh, relationships have to begin with trust, right. especially a marriage relationship. You know, that's my expertise. Yeah. Marriage relationships. Um, but even with kids to some degree, you have to let them make some of their own decisions and trust them to make decisions and trust them to make mistakes too. Right. And, and even to make mistakes without you knowing. Right. I mean just give them some space. Right. What kind of childhood would you – would your child have yeah. if they couldn't do things that you didn't know about, right? right? I mean yeah. that's how I grew up. Well, how do you – I mean look at what – we set people up to fail the minute they are incapable of making a mistake with you. Right. And we encourage them then – to go out and try and make mistakes without you finding out. You know? Yeah, so that well, hide them. Gonna, right, right. Yeah, I mean if, if you're going to find out about this, I'm going to find ways to keep it from you. Yeah, you cannot get me. Yeah. Isn't that what it means to be a teenager? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if, ever, if all the listeners think back to your teen days, how much, how much really did your parents know? 
we didn't let them in on it. No. And, and we can't good let thing them in too, on right? it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And it's interesting. The rule might be the, the tighter that you pull the noose in trying to find it out, the less likely you are to probably get it because you're just going to keep them hiding it better. And sure. Yeah. Interesting. I think the same is true for spouses though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the less trust you feel coming from your spouse – the more likely you are to rebel against that, whatever that looks like. Is there a healthy – as I think about this, is there a healthy level – I mean if some, some people just come into the relationship without any trust because they've burnt past bridges mm-hmm. or they have kind of the yearning, young, loving trust that's kind of the untested love. Sure, the naivete. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so at some point when that fades um, – where is the line? I mean, where's the line ethically where where it kind of – I mean, I guess there's kind of an inherent – we just need to back each other up and know. I just need to know. Mm-hmm. But w- where do we draw lines between actually going out, proactively spying and just gathering data? Well, I think a lot of it, especially when it has to do with, with human relationships at the level of a marriage where you're dealing with uh, two adults mm-hmm. – there has, it seems to me that there has to be some sort of agreement between the two that some spying is going on. Yeah. Now, clearly that seems counterintuitive right. because spying is supposed to be something that you do without um, anyone knowing. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, the, the, the information you get is, is incredible necessarily, right. right? I'm thinking in particular of a, of a friend I have whose, whose wife is – I mean there are some major trust issues in the relationship. And she's at a point now where she is ready to divorce him. Yeah. And we were talking just the other day about how he has he has allowed her essentially to know his pass his email password so that she can check his email, right? Which is the most recent thing that got him into trouble. Good, right? So there's the sign. Well, and that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how he feels, right? <laughs> He's right. like, well, I'm the one who, who who gave her the password, so if she finds me out, she finds me out, you know. And, Interesting. Um, but then you have to consider what his reaction is going to be if he doesn't want her to find him out. Right. Get another email account. How easy is that? You know. And then what good uh, does spying do? Yeah. You know. And so it's it's a it's a real difficult thing, but but. Um, I don't know. Well, that's the funny thing is – so then you find out something and you don't even know what you found mm-hmm. and then you've got to go make sense of it. I mean it's almost just opening a can of worms. <laughs> Once you start opening these, I mean it's just going to get messy. Well, and how does she know in this situation that I've described here? How does she know that him trusting her with that password right. isn't some sort of ruse? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, that, she'll fall for that. Oh, sure. I mean, then he's just playing her. And then he's playing her. And if he lies every once in a while through his email uh-huh. and she catches that, then the ruse is, is even trickier because then he's like, hey, look, I wouldn't – I mean, this this wasn't malicious right. on my part. Otherwise, I would have tried to hide it from you. Yeah. But it turns out I have another email account that you don't know about yeah. and I am hiding it from you. you well, know? I have another cell phone and I have a friend in Mesa, Arizona. I mean, it's it just doesn't end, does it? It just keeps going, which is why I guess in the end – it's, it can't be about your spying. I guess trust is what it's got to be about. And if you don't have it, how do, you, how do you go about starting to forge this? I mean how do you dig out of this hole where you're already – and some people flat out are neurotic. I mean I've had clients that there's no reason to not trust but their partner, they're constantly calling because their, their husband hired a new assistant. 
mm-hmm. and dropping by and following him to lunch with like four other people and sure. showing up. And I mean, it's some people just aren't healthy anyway with trust based on how they've been raised. Mm-hmm. And yet some are. And so this is what, where the lines get so blurred, which is why we thought kind of ethically, what's the what do we owe each other? What do I owe my spouse as far as trust, especially if trust is broken? That's a big curveball for you. It is. I think ethically speaking, ethically speaking, I think that if the trust has been violated, it seems like spying is ethically okay. Yeah. I think. I mean, we need some boundary. Yeah, depending on the degree yeah. of a violation, you know, yeah. an affair, I could imagine uh, something that you've been hiding for maybe years, months, or years. Yeah, um, and and something that that he or she finds out about without you telling, right. You know, the person. It's like, oh, uh, it seems like some spying is ethically justified, and, and yet it's not soothing. Well. There, there's always the question of ethics and morals. Yeah, and morally, it's if something still... is ethically correct, is it morally correct? Right. Well, and then we get into the legal aspect. Now people are going to jail because they're spying on their spouse or that the high school principal that put out a Facebook page to spy on all of her students, and she got about 300 students to join her Facebook page in a ruse, pretending like she was some student until until the football coach realized, hey, that's the principal, yeah, and turned her in, and then she was fired. So. I guess morally is one thing, ethically is another, legally is another, and just maritally. Mm-hmm. Do I want to be with somebody that is this kind of person with me? Good stuff. We're going to come back after this break with Dr. Joe Austinson. We're talking about uh, spying on your spouse. Where's the line? When to spy? When to just love them? When to hold them? When to fold them? Kind of a routine. Good stuff. We'll be back after this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Who's that uh, Charlie Chaplin tune? Smile. Here we go, guys. One second, you get in jet and ten, you get 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 in ten, you get in jet and ten, and to jet. Rich, live, unedited music. The kind of music that takes you back. The kind of music only played on Highway 89 every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good news for the housing market, sales of previously occupied homes are on the rise. The National Association of Realtors says it's a sign the struggling housing market is regaining strength that home sales rose 3.4% last month. 
And spokesman Walter Maloney says the improvement is broad-based. We're seeing a return to normal home buying activity. That's helping sales across all price points, and the recovery now appears to be extending to home prices. The median price last month was up more than 10% from a year ago, and sales are also 10% higher than a year ago, with 10 straight months of year-over-year improvement. David Melendi, Washington. Egyptians are preparing for an important presidential election. It's the start of two rounds of voting to pick a successor to the ousted Egyptian president, Hosni Mubarak. Unlike his rigged elections, this one is free. Among the 13 candidates are Islamists, Mubarak's last prime minister, and the former head of the Arab League. Missing are any viable representatives of the young liberal activists who sparked last year's popular uprising that unseated Mubarak. They failed to form a strong political party or unite behind a single candidate for president. Mark Levy, Cairo. A plan to double airline passenger security fees is moving forward. Republicans tried but failed to kill a Democratic plan that calls for a doubling of some air passenger security fees. Democrats on the Senate Appropriations Committee pushed through a provision that would double the per-passenger fee for nonstop flights to $10 round trip. A one-way nonstop would go from $250 to $5, and you'd also pay $5 if you have to change planes. The increase faces turbulence in Congress in an election year. Opposition from House Republicans grounded it last year. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. The private rocket headed to the International Space Station also carried the remains of some important names in space exploration. Gordo and Scotty are back in space. The ashes of Mercury astronaut Gordon Cooper and actor James Doohan, who played Scotty in the Star Trek TV and movie series, were on board the now-discarded second stage of the SpaceX Falcon 9. The ship itself is on its way to the International Space Station. All in all, the ashes of more than 300 people were carried aloft for Houston-based Celestis, Inc. I'm Tim McGuire. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're here with Professor Joe Austinson, BYU professor of psychology, and does a lot of work with marriages and family, uh, as well as some ethics. And we're talking about spying spying on the people we love and I only spy on you because I love you. It's like a spanking. It's something you need and I do. And there's a real side to this because what do you do when trust is being violated and you don't want to be hurt anymore, which is probably why they're spying. So Dr. Joe, give us your take on this. When you think of this, um, you're already behind the eight ball if you're spying. Mm-hmm. So trust is already in a deficit, and you're not going to probably be able to talk your way out of it unless you happen to find a gold mine of corrupt behavior. Right. <laughs> then you win, but you lose. Yeah, that's the trouble with spying is is you're losing as you're winning. Right? Yeah. You find something out. You find out dirt on this person, and then you bring it up to them, and you say, look what I found. And they say, how did you find that? You don't want to know. Yeah. I'll have to oh, kill you. I was spying on you, and now I don't trust you. Yeah. And why – should you trust me now? How many times have you seen a client mad that their client, that their wife found out information that caught them and they're mad at the wife? Well, yeah, and that happens. I can't think of a time when that hasn't happened. I know. 
You so know. the anger then, so maybe that's part of it too. Is your anger about me spying is more about your problem, your corruption, right? Your sin, whatever. Right, and that's where the trust uh, or the lack of trust then goes both ways. Yep. So I might not trust my spouse, but as soon as they find out I'm spying on them, they're not going to trust me in return. Yeah, and that's a downward spiral. I don't think. I mean, that's hard to get out of. Well, and, and two, if you're going to, especially if you want to heal it. Right. So if you if right. you don't care about if you just want scorched earth, let's just blow it up. I don't need to trust you. I got you red-handed. But if I want to try to save it, ugh, that's a well, whole that, that's why with children it might be different. You've got to figure out another sure. way to do it. Yeah, and in marriage it seems like that that um kind of gets to the heart of the problem with spying, right? Who are you spying for? What are you spying for? Because if if the spying works out the way you think it's going to work out, right. it's probably going to hurt the relationship. Yeah. And if that's what you're hoping to do, then I think spying is a uh, that's a great idea. It's a great tool. You know, I mean, I want fodder for my divorce so that I get custody of the children or I get right. more than oh, half the huge. house. Then yeah. spying seems like a good way of going about doing it. Which is it. why they're hiring private eyes, gathering sure. data. Right. But that, there's the scorched earth kind of approach. Yep. So to me, I see a difference between transparency and spying. But see, like setting up transparency, like let's set up some rules. Like let's say somebody was using um, uh, their phone to call a friend that they found on Facebook, an old boyfriend or girlfriend. Then – and we caught them. We caught them just maybe the middle of the night. Hey, your phone's ringing and your partner answers it. What um, – what about – how would you go about setting up some more transparency in the relationship that would foster trust versus capturing transparency later? Well, I guess sense? that goes back to something I said earlier and, and um, you sort of have to agree. You have to be able to agree on sort of terms, right? Yeah, boundaries or whatever. So, OK. Look, I'm not cheating on you with this guy, with this girl I guess in my case, yeah. right? Yeah, in that one, yeah. Um, I'm not cheating you on uh, cheating on you with her. Uh, if you want proof of that, I will let you go through my texts. I will let you go through my emails. Uh, but there has to again, there has to be trust. And there. you have, yeah, exactly, because you have to trust me that I'm giving you all the information that you want. Yeah, and I'm not withholding some from you because I have a different Facebook account or a different email account or something like it's, that. It's um, it's kind of that's what I always ask my clients. So is trust earned or given? And it's probably both. I, it has to be both. I mean because really when we're first dating, none of us earned trust. We just showed up. Right. And you're the man and I'm the woman and boom, vibes. It I'm feels in love good. with you. Yeah. So I'm just going to trust you. Nothing earned there until then when it's broken, then it, I guess that's where people feel like, OK, well, now you got to earn it. Well, you still have to give it because he could be doing trustworthy things every day and you're still not seeing it. Well, on that – how many of us will ever get into a relationship and not do something that violates our partner's oh, I mean, trust? Really? It's impossible. Exactly. And so if you wait for that one moment for your spouse to do something that is untrustworthy, it's going to happen. Yeah. And if you're looking for it, then you can withhold your trust. But you have to know that it's going to go both ways. We talked on the show a week or so ago about financial infidelity. I mean so spouses are lying all the time about money or not even lying, just not mentioning it. We're lying about – our schedules or our time because we just wanted a little more free time to play ball. But it really is – it's kind of the cover-up that starts to create the problems. Do you um, do you believe that just – we should have just open-door policy? It should What degree of privacy 
do we need to expect with As our individuals, spouse? say, mm-hmm. in a marriage? Yeah. Oh, you know, um, I think about this in terms of my own marriage, and I know that there are a lot of a lot of things that I don't tell my spouse. Yeah. And it has uh, – Like that big eagle tattoo on your back. Right, yeah. You didn't tell her about that. I haven't that. told her about that yet. She might be listening though. Okay. So I, oh, I appreciate sorry, you. Sorry, Joe. Yeah, appreciate <laughs> I saw you, you wearing your. That. Yeah, that's embarrassing. But uh, but I there are a lot of things I don't tell her, and it, and it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, me trying to hide things from her. Yeah. At least I don't think it does. Maybe deep down psychologically. Should we get into that? No, we shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> um, and and so I I don't know if it's a privacy issue as much as it is. Uh, an issue of we don't have to be – I don't think we have to be entirely open about every single right. little thing with our spouse. Well, and, may, and nor do you probably want to be. No. I mean there's a lot of things we just don't want to hear about. <laughs> right. Well, and it takes a lot of time too. That's and right. A lot of effort. Sometimes – boy, my wife used to ask me when I'd come home from work how my day was and I'd say fine and then she'd <laughs> keep probing me and tell probing me. More, me. Tell me more. Yeah, and I would say I really don't want to talk about this. Yeah. And I'm not trying to keep anything from not you. being a jerk. It's just my work day is over. Can yeah. I be home now, you know? Oh, isn't that interesting? Uh, and so and so I don't know. I mean, she could have taken that as oh, he's hiding something yeah, from what's me, he doing? you know. And uh Maybe another thing that I do in my own relationship. I hate to make this all about me, but it's pretty. Let's easy, keep it that way, you know. <laughs> no, seriously, it's good. I'll keep it about no, me. No, yeah, because your personal okay. examples are good. Well, I, I just, I think that um, one of the things I tend to do is I'm very open with my spouse. Uh, I don't hide anything from her at all intentionally. Hmm. So there's a lot that I don't say to her. But there are times, for example, if I have, um, say, a coworker that I find attractive, yeah, uh, and it comes to my mind when I'm in her presence, I might say it to her, and and I don't I don't know that I'm trying to protect myself, but there's a sense in which that is protecting, yeah, because I can say, hey, look, I'm willing to admit to you that I'm human and I have these frailties, yeah, uh, but I still love you. Well, and that's and, full disclosure. I mean, that's that yeah. to me creates trust. Because you—that's something you wouldn't have to say. That's what a lot of people yeah. would say. Oh yeah, Joe, you don't say that. Well, and one thing that I'm doing is I'm trusting her with that information, uh, and she's honoring. And it. I'm saying, look, I'm going to trust you with this information, and and what I'm trusting you to do is understand that, in spite of the fact that I find her attractive, yeah. I still choose to love you. That's so great, and and she'll receive that. So that's probably a sign of high trust, anyway. Sure. That's something you might not want to throw out there if you've just had a low trust moment. Oh, no, please. I'm not making recommendations <laughs> no, but just for the record. <laughs> to me, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a high-level standard of maturity. That's well, great. and I think it's, it's a giving of trust to my yep. wife. And it's not trusting her to not sneak around and tell her lady yeah. friends. It's trusting her to, to know that I still love her. Yeah. And, and that even the things I say to her, I'm, I'm trying to be human with her and yeah. say this is who I am. Um, but I still love you. Well, and honestly, we, we just don't do this well. We and, and I love the idea that if you're out there listening and you're sitting there mad that your partner isn't sharing stuff, it's it's a relational issue. This is a relationship issue. Goes this is a ways. gauge of what's going on between you mm-hmm. two in the relationship. This isn't just that they're evil. This is that there's an issue. Right. And And sometimes if you find yourself not trusting your spouse, oftentimes – uh, you're also not giving your trust 
That's to right. them. I mean, I think there's a sense in which you're projecting yourself on them and saying, I'm Huge. not going to trust you. I don't even trust myself. You know, you don't know that. See, I love that. Do you, um, what, what, what recommendations do you give to, to people that have kind of already violated this? How do they go about actually starting to extend that trust more? What do they do? So instead of spending all of your energy figuring out ways to follow your partner all the way to work and then hide behind the mailbox, what should they be doing to extend the trust? I, I don't know. Okay. But I think that – yeah. Well, so we're good. done. All right. Anyway, thanks for coming, <laughs> Dr. Joe. No, um, I, I don't really know. I'm, I'm tempted to say one thing, the one thing you always have control over. Let me just say something more about spying because I think spying has a lot to do with trying to take control over the relationship. Yeah. And uh, there is a sense in which I think we've sort of come to the agreement, yeah. at least the two of us. Yeah, we're together on that it. There, that there is no way to absolutely be in control. Right. Um, but there is one thing we do have control over and that is what we give to the relationship. And it seems to me like the best place to start is to start by giving. Yeah. And I know that's a difficult thing to do. This goes back to the vulnerability yeah. issue, to being vulnerable. The more you give, the more you place yourself out there to be taken advantage of. That's it, the risk. Right? It's a risk. But at the same time um, – I think the way we tend to respond as people to others who give to us um, – I hope this is true. I'm, I'm probably wrong about this. But we, we tend to want to give in return. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if that, – that's certainly been true in my life. Uh, I know that there have been times when I have given and been taken advantage of. Uh, but how can you avoid that risk? Right. Well, and I, I, in fact, I don't know that you can, and I don't know that you can grow without it. You know the turtle metaphor. So the turtle doesn't get anywhere until it sticks its neck out. And at some point, you probably need to stick your neck out and be willing to extend. It's scary. You're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. The soft parts are showing. Right. <laughs> your head could be lopped off, and you might just find peace because now you're not chasing the. You're not chasing the shadows. And you're in control of the one thing that you can be in control right. of. You've got your peace. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, but it's not as fun. They don't make movies about that. No, unfortunately. They or don't. maybe fortunately. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if we go see them. You know? Well, it's interesting. If you notice just the Bond and all those movies, they're all just running. It's chasing. It's yep. hiding. Yep. It's fear. It's so fear motivated. And the minute you're chasing and running your partner, what have you become? Yeah. I mean, and I, I used to be a divorce mediator, and it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. The minute one of them says, yeah, I, I've got an attorney, it is game on because yep. now the other one's got one. And, well, then I'm going to go into your business account. Well, fine. Then we'll just talk about your DUI. Well, my DUI has been expunged. Well, it doesn't matter. It still happened. Yeah. So you're not a fit parent. Oh, you're saying – and then game on. It goes from cooperation to competition yeah. very quickly. And what do we win? What well, do the kids win? Yeah. What does anybody in the does family anybody win but win? a lot of stress? Yep. The other thing I guess too is the minute you're out there and you're starting to hide something, you've got a problem. The minute you're hiding it and, you, and you're hiding it for a reason. So yours were just kind of – there was just kind of no need. There was no intent right. to be malicious. Um, there's a great quote by Napoleon that says, do not ascribe to malice that which is adequately explained by incompetence. 
Oh, you're calling me incompetent. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't take offense. That was not intended to be malicious. That was my incompetency in saying that. So great stuff, Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe Austinson from Brigham Young University, professor of psychology. How can they reach you if they have questions or if they just want to ask you if this was ethical? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they can email me, joseph underscore Austinson, O-S-T-E-N-S-O-N, at byu.edu. Perfect. You're going to get a lot of mail now. We'll see. Dr. Joe, thanks for coming in. Interesting topic. Uh, we'll be back with more right here on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Today... Disaster relief workers around the world are on the ball, coordinating rescue and response efforts, even when traditional communication systems have been knocked offline. This is Innovation Now. When catastrophe strikes, it's vital to have communication systems that can be set up quickly to connect to the outside world. Traditional satellite communication systems use heavy, rigid antennas that can take hours to transport, unpack, bolt together, and get online. Gator Technologies has developed a line of ultra-portable satellite communication systems that perform as well as rigid dishes. The lightweight systems are quick and easy to set up. You just inflate the antenna with air, set it, and point it to the satellite. Typical users are online within 30 minutes of deploying the units. The inflated antenna looks like a giant beach ball. It's made from a tough, flexible fabric and is held to the ground by plates and cables. Air pressure shapes a flexible, reflective fabric mesh dish inside the ball to a precise shape. And to pack the deflated dish up, you just roll it up like a sleeping bag. Gator Technologies used antenna test range facilities at NASA Glenn Research Center to refine the systems. And today, Inflatable SATCOM units are supporting disaster relief efforts around the world. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Talk about good. BYU Radio now has an app available for your iPad and iPhone. Listen to great shows like Thinking Aloud, Notes from the Kennedy Center, and The Morning Show. And if BYU sports is what you crave, we've got BYU football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, and soccer all streaming live on the BYU radio app for iPad and iPhone. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Little Pink Panther. I'd like a room with a view. Um, Good stuff, folks. We've just been talking about spying. To spy or not to spy on your spouse. And uh, we're now going to get into just a, a quick overview of technology and how it can ruin your life. Of course, we've been discussing it through the program This technology makes it a little easier for us to find our way through some of these things, especially, hopefully, uh, building healthier relationships. But it can also lead to some spying and can ruin our lives. Back in 1995, there was this new thing called the Internet. It was cool. It was scary. And Hollywood's visionary writers at the time had a pretty good thumb on how it was about to ruin our lives. Every trace of our existence is computerized. How long would it take to track it? 
depends on how long she stays online. The market panicked as officials suspended trading. The Department of Water and Power in Atlanta, LAX. We've lost radar contact. They're manipulating her world and erasing her identity. We've got an outstanding warrant for Ruth Marks on federal charges. I am Angela Bennett. You know, seeing these laptop computers that are about the size of a small SUV running ancient software programs, you know, it just kind of robs the villains of their uh, scariness. And 17 years later, not a single boogeyman has ever used the Internet to ruin my life. Not even once. But the movie scriptwriters in 1995 probably never could have envisioned the massive numbers of ways that a massive number of people are using the Internet every day to ruin their own lives. Back in the 90s, TV and maybe those magazines you see at the checkout counter were the only places you'd ever find an altered image. You know, the kind where women subconsciously start comparing themselves to unrealistically skinny models. Today, Photoshop is cheap. You probably see dozens of altered images every single week just on ad banners. And the market's there. The web loves to soothe human vices. Yesterday, we talked a bit about online game addictions. Pornography addictions are also having a quiet but massively erosive effect on relationships and marriages. Ended up with a very serious problem, and it lasted for 25 years, destroyed marriage. But even the young who still live in a world filled with cooties... Circle, circle, dot, dot, now you have the cootie shop. Now they're still ruining their lives through cyberbullying, where they send mean text messages and picture messages and post cruel videos to the web. As parents, we'd like to think my kid would never become a bully. Teens sometimes even send nude photos of themselves, or worse, of others, and uh, those sometimes go viral, too. If you've ever had to haul a can of paint to the top of a water tower to defend your sister's honor... But the damage is much worse because no amount of paint can ever erase that message from the web once it's gone viral. At a certain point, bullying just becomes plain-out harassment. She got this email from this boy named Josh Evans. I don't know if I want to be friends with you any longer because I hear you're not nice to your friends. Megan was devastated. Her mother found her in her bedroom closet. She had hanged herself. Josh never existed. He was created by the mother of one of Megan's former friends down the street. And that can land you in jail, along with threats and fraud and drug trafficking. You know, pretty soon the online world starts to sound an awful lot like the outside world. Only the crimes are a little bit easier to commit because you and your iPad don't even have to get out of the recliner. We've got recliners for dad, recliners for mom, recliners that swim. And maybe that's where the 1995 film The Net is Wrong. Sandra Bullock spends most of her time on screen running away from bad guys. At least back in the 90s, you had to walk or drive places to ruin your life. That's great. That's uh, Rob Sanders reporting on that one and um, just awesome uh, ideas. When we um, – we've got all of this technology. The technology is not our master, right? It's not the, it's not the key. It's not the it's, – it's supposed to enhance our lives. It's supposed to make our lives better and yet now we're just using it to spy and all that is is a sign of, again, what I call the smoke. The smoke is everything we fight about that's not the real issue. The smoke of a relationship is not where you were. The minute, the minute we're already fighting about where you were the last couple hours, we've already missed the deeper issue 
which is there's a trust problem. And so I guess at some point in our relationships, we have to start figuring out a way to focus on the trust. Are we in? And as you're sitting there listening, are you into your relationship? Are you into your spouse? Is there any doubt in that your spouse's mind that you care? Is there any doubt out there that they, um, that they are number one on your list? Because if, if there's a doubt, guess what? The trust is going to just start to create this wedge. And uh, I've heard stories um, just from you know, leaders in my church that have, that have told about a tree. And somebody put a wedge, you know, one of the wedges that you use to help split wood. And somebody just stuck a wedge and put it right in kind of the crux of the tree, right in the, the, the V of the tree. And over years, this tree just continued to grow and it continued to grow. And as the tree was growing around this wedge, the wedge just got sunk deep inside. But as it was sunk deep inside, it was hidden. We couldn't see the wedge. But as the tree grew and grew and grew, eventually it weakened the tree. And then in a big storm, the tree just split apart. That same thing is what happens in our relationships when we don't have the trust. When we don't have the trust, this wedge gets placed in there. Just a metal bar gets stuck in and the tree starts to grow around us. That lack of trust, and it may have been as a child when you didn't feel like you could trust somebody in your family or somebody hurt you or you were abused or your father or somebody left the family and you just started to not trust. Or it could be when your husband had an affair or your wife was texting somebody that she shouldn't have been. And once that wedge is in there, if we don't deal with the trust, then we're going to deal with it some other way. And you're going to use all of that energy. You're going to use all of that focus that should be used to building up the relationship, to focusing on each other. We're going to use it instead to try to repair a tree that's torn in half. It's the little things, folks. It's the little things that build the trust. It's the transparency. I'm going to challenge you to just be more transparent. Turn on more transparency, meaning let the rules be there that, you know what, we can always look at each other's phones anytime we want. We have all of the passwords, all of the access, and I wouldn't do it to control each other. I would do it just as a sign of trust. Um, I actually, my Facebook pages, a lot of my social media, my wife runs for me, and it's amazing. It's great. I feel safer having her that involved in that. Now, I know people that have joint Facebook accounts and things like that to do that as well. So as you're thinking about your life, is there transparency? Are there any secrets? If you're keeping a secret, I'm telling you, if you know it couldn't be shared, you're setting yourself up. That's going to be a wedge. I wouldn't keep secrets. Now, like Dr. Joe was talking about, he actually shares some things that a lot of people would be like, whoa, you don't share that. But it does. It is a sign of how much he trusts his wife to be able to handle it. And then we've got to receive these things from our, from our partner. We also have to talk more about it. Are you opening up and having these conversations with your partner? Are we surfacing our issues that we have? One of the things I would always ask yourself is, you know what, if I'm feeling it, if I'm worried about it, I'd bring it up. There are signs of affairs and infidelity. It doesn't have to mean that they are being unfaithful. It could just simply mean... Um, they're busy, they're hiding, they're afraid to tell you stuff, they're sneaking stuff. And it doesn't always mean an affair. It could just simply mean they're hiding money. And in a way, that's another same thing as a trust issue, right? These are all just signs of simple, basic trust issues. So a challenge for you is I want you to go home and I want you to go make an offering. 
What is something you can offer to your spouse, to your children, to start opening up the dialogue and the discussion? The best way to have a relationship with your kids will probably not be from spying on them. It won't be from sneaking into their cell phones. It'll be probably by spending more time connecting, sharing with each other, building trust, laughing. If you feel like you can't trust somebody, try first to strengthen the relationship before you try to strengthen the security measures, right? Appreciate you listening, folks. We are here again. Remember, Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock Mountain Time, 5 o'clock Eastern Time, The Matt Townsend Show. Join us anytime you'd like and bring your friends. You can also follow us on Twitter at BYU Radio and Facebook, BYU Radio. And you can email me as well anytime you want at Matt at matttownsend.com. Appreciate you listening to us. We'll be here tomorrow. Come tune in right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Welcome to Move Time Radio, presented by the Arthritis Foundation. And we're smack dab in the middle of our dance-a-thon to fight arthritis pain. Me, I've been grooving for 10 hours straight, baby, but I'm a boogie machine. See, movement is just one of the ways.